You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Are you a player or a spectator in the game of success? Do you get into the rough and tumble of the game, or do you enjoy watching it from a distance like you'd watch an exciting Netflix movie? Either choice is okay, if it's in alignment with what you really want. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life, where you will learn two powerful related skills to grow and transform your life and business. One, you'll learn how to change the inner narratives that rob you of your power and replace them with narratives that make you unstoppable. And two, You will learn the storytelling techniques that will make all your marketing and sales messages irresistible. One of the best ways to change your story is to read great books. Our sponsor is Audible, and they're offering you, as listeners to this show, a downloadable free audiobook of your choice. You get to choose from more than 180,000 titles. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and choose your free audiobook today. Also go to www.changeyourstorypodcast.com and on the home page, Download the book that I have created as a gift for you, the ebook Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. I heard a mind-expanding thought from an exceptional marketer, Alex Mandosian. He said, you can't keep what you don't give away. If you're here and getting value from this podcast, give yourself the gift of giving that value away to others. Go to Change Your Story, Change Your Life on iTunes and leave a brief review, which can be a comment about your biggest takeaway from today's episode and add a five-star rating. This will help the show to climb the iTunes ranks and reach more people. Thank you in advance for doing that. Today's guest is a strong player. He specializes in challenging people to decide what they really want and to take action to get it. Specifically, he works with and motivates network marketers, helping them become high-achieving rank makers. He's the co-founder of the Higdon Group, a coaching and training company for network marketers that has been on the Inc. 5000 list and last month was recognized by Entrepreneur on their Entrepreneur 360 list for innovation, impact, and growth. He has shared the stage with Tony Robbins, Robert Kiyosaki, Gary Vaynerchuk, and many more of today's thought leaders around sales, marketing, and entrepreneurship. He and his wife, Jessica are former number one income earners that now share their social media and offline strategies around the world to network marketers at all levels. Now, can you believe that this guy just told me, I'm no big deal? His name is Ray Higdon, and you can learn more about him at rayhigdon.com. Ray, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Hey, thanks for having me on here. Appreciate it. We're going to have some fun. I always love to know from anybody, but certainly from very successful people, who influenced you the most when you were a child? Ooh, uh, getting deep. Um, you know, I you know I didn't have I didn't have the greatest childhood. Uh, I had up until the age of twelve. I was in uh, you know my parents had split, and I was in a very abusive um, situation, uh, physically abusive, and. And so um, it's tough to say who 
like positively <laughs> impacted me back in those days. Uh, I think maybe I learned how not to be. And, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I had early um, innovation. You know, maybe, uh, let's see, some of my earliest business, um, you know, mentors would be like Jack Welch. Um, I admired, you know, his thoughts and how he talked about growing business. Um, I admired uh, Bill Gates and uh, read a lot of books and magazines by, you know, with those guys in them. Well, you know, you know, it's very interesting. I'm so glad you shared this. You went immediately to, well, I don't know, I didn't have many positive influences, but here's my thought. I don't know what you feel about this, but your abusive childhood is probably one of the most powerful motivators that has driven you to become who you are. Yeah, the situation for sure. Um, an individual, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure, um, but the situation for sure, I think I can understand people better, you know, that have had tough times and had tough circumstances. And so I certainly, you know, I look back at it as, hey, you know, if that didn't happen, maybe I'm, you know, a total jerk or maybe I'm mean to my kids. I don't know. No, but, maybe, so but maybe you wouldn't also have been as motivated to become right. as successful because pain is a marvelous teacher to the warrior. It's a teacher to everybody, but if you're not a warrior, it can crush you. Right. And you're totally. a war- and you are a warrior. Now, did you have a childhood dream of who you wanted to be when you grew up? Hmm. Man, you know, I mean, I grew up in Indiana, so basketball was on there, although I wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, you know, I it's interesting because, you know, as a as a kid, you know, and you can look back and like Steve Jobs says, connect the dots, but um, you know, looking looking back, I I wasn't allowed to have a voice. And so it's, it's, you know, funny or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever you call it that, um, you know, now I'm, I do so many videos. I speak on so many stages and things like that. I want my voice to be heard to make a difference. Whereas in my childhood, I really didn't have a voice. I wasn't, I I wasn't supposed to speak. (laughs) Wow, you're really blowing me away here. You're familiar with Alex Mendoza, eh? You know, I've heard the name. I have never studied anything by him. He's uh, he's quite wonderful, and he has. I went to one of his events where he talks about a backpack moment. Well, I, I would say to my storytellers listening, Ray has just given us a backpack moment, and what that is is you hear something and you go, "Oh my God." I could leave right now with my backpack on and I would have gotten value from this show because when you talk about here, I was a guy who wasn't allowed to have a voice. So listen, people, when you have excuses about things, here's a guy who not only has a voice, it is clear, it is powerful, and it is impacting hundreds of thousands of people. So, wow, that's that's fabulous. In your teens, I guess you've almost answered this. Did, I guess you didn't imagine the level of success that you now have. You, you said in my teens? Yeah. You said? Yeah. Um, definitely not. I mean, you know, my teens, I was very rebellious. Um, you know, I didn't finish high school on time. I moved out of my, my parents' house when I was, uh, I think, a junior in high school. And, you know around with the bad crowd um you know not not that i was innocent but you know i was part of the bad crowd i at the age of i want to say 18 maybe i actually had to testify in a murder trial and it wasn't me on trial um but it was someone that um you know i was friends with and you know better friends with i guess his brother but um i had to go and testify at this at this murder trial, it sucked. Um, when I when I got away from that crowd, I just threw myself at work to just just drown myself in in not having free time. And uh, you know, and then I had uh, kids pretty early on. Wow! You know, last week Ray, I I, in, I interviewed Randy Gage. Oh yeah. I, and what's interesting is that he had. I mean, he, he he spent his 16th birthday in jail 
waiting for mm. trial for his armed robbery. <laughs> mm. Wow. Well, that certainly could have been me too with one one little turn. I was pretty much a rebel myself. Did did, did you like school? You know, I, I, I did actually. I, I liked school. I liked the um like measurement of trying to do better and things like that all the way up until really my senior year. Uh, my senior year just I just did too many drugs and um I lost care for that kind of side of me and so I, you know, didn't finish on time and I did end up going back the fifth year, uh, real winner, and uh, and I did actually finish it finish it up. But um, I did like school prior to getting in and you know being part of the bad kids club. I, I love to ask that question because, look, I have a master's degree, but I am not big on schools, and the, yeah. more, the more I look at the educational system the more I see that it's antiquated and it's not really sure. preparing people for life. And so when I talk to successful people, I mean, just look at the list of people who are mega successful who all dropped out or who, you know, within a year they were bored and they, they left school and then rose to, you know, to great heights in their lives and in their careers, you know? Yeah, it just depends on the personality. You know, there's a lot of people that they take learning as the end result. And mm. so these are usually the people with multiple degrees and have more time, you know, studying and, and achieving scholastic success than financial success. And so I just, I don't really see the point in learning if I'm not going to do something. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, just for a second there, just for a second, we you dropped, but you said, mm. I, I got what you, you, you said that you you feel that there's no point in, in continuing to learn unless you're going to do something with it, and I, I applaud that. That's That's great. That's a wonderful insight. I love what you said, that many people just view the well, learning learn, as an yeah, end result. Yeah, they learn to learn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. And so I think, I mean, I think, you know, college is, is more about your expectations. If you're going for how the flyer positions it, you know, the flyer positions it as get a good job. If you're going to college to get a great job, it's probably going to fall short. If you're going to college to meet people and make connections and, you know, you know, kind of, kind of study how that system is, is, is done in communication, then you'll, you'll probably get a lot out of it. You know, there's a lot of people that find their business partners in college, but if you're going to college just so you have it on your resume, so you get a better job, you're probably going to be disappointed nowadays. Mm -hmm. Now you became a success in real estate and then you made this transition to network marketing. Was it a scary transition? Well, uh, losing it all in real estate was the scary part. <laughs> so, you know, like many people, um, you know, I'm here in the state of Florida and 2005, I see all my buddies from high school crushing it in real estate and making more money than I was. And I'm like, man, I think I could do this. And so I jumped into the fray and did really well for a few years. And then, uh, summer of 2008, um, it all went downhill and ended up uh, dead broke, personal foreclosure, million dollars in debt, chased by bill collectors. During that process, went through a divorce and was sleeping on my buddy's couch. So uh, you got the highs, you got the lows. Wow. <laughs> this is quite a, quite a wonderful picture, actually. Uh, it's wonderful only because of who you are today. Now, what were your biggest points of resistance to becoming successful, as successful as you are today, and particularly when you enter network marketing? Because there's a lot, as you know, as you teach in the inner game that forces or makes us resist. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it had to do with self-worth and, you know, just, you know, a lot, a lot of, I've always been a hard worker and, you, you know, I've kind of realized that 
although not always, a lot of times us hard workers are working hard out of maybe a sense of shame or maybe a sense of that we have to prove our worth. You know, like, see, look, I'm, I'm worthy, I'm, I'm good. And so you work, 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 work. And I've always had that, that work ethic. Um, but, you know, when, it, when I, I, I kind of, it kind of weirded me out when things started going so well, because I kept, you know, I'd seen it go well before, and then, you know, I'm waiting for the, you know, the shoe to drop, right? And, and so um, I would say self-worth issues, I would say, um, you know, mindset issues, and then the, just the tactical of how, how do you leverage a business that still requires your, your personal time? And so, you know, my coaching training business, I'm very much involved in the business and, you know, thinking smarter. How do you scale that? How do you do things in group? How do you, how do you use your time and maximize it? And, and is that the right thing? Or do you, you know, certify coaches and have them do your stuff? And, you know, what I kind of realized just kind of looking at how, you know, Tony Robbins does it is, you know, Tony has obviously his speaking and, you know, coaching and training business, which he's in a different, you know, country every week or month or whatever. And uh, it very much requires him without him. That business isn't great. But his other business is all of his other assets and his money that works for him. And so I'm, I'm fully aware that, you know, our business uh, is, is not a, you know, just a sellable asset or something that just runs without me. But that's okay because I love it. But I do make my money work. And I do, we do treat the, you know, the money that comes in as a business. And we make those dollars work like a business. And we're, we're good stewards of it. And so I think some of that was just overcoming self-worth issues and then analyzing your business as, okay, to get to that next level, what does that look like? And it probably doesn't look like more coaching clients. It looks like a different way to slice the pie. Mm, I love that. That's a great insight. Thank you. What would you say, if you look back, was the biggest mistake that you ever made? Well, I, I, I can give you both. Uh, I can give you a personal one. <laughs> sure. I can give you a personal one, and I can give you a business one. Uh-huh. So uh, business, I would say, oh, man, there's two that are really key. I would, I, I'm, I'm going to have to give you two. Uh, one, I would say not investing in coaching sooner. So when I was in real estate, I, I prided myself. I had never bought even a course on real estate. I had gotten books from the library. I had borrowed books. I, I prided myself on I didn't have a coach. I didn't go through courses. I didn't go to boot camps or seminars. And, you know, I really prided myself on that because I'm an action taker. Well, that's, that's probably better than just be a constant learner and never doing anything. But the problem is, I really wasn't educated enough that when the market changed, I, I got wiped out. And, and I think if I had, you know, not been so prideful of what I didn't pay for or whatever, uh, I think if I had some more people in my corner, I could have managed that, that storm a lot better. And then I would say number two, when it comes to marketing is I, I just didn't track my stuff. You know, I had thousands of direct mail pieces going out every month. I had, I had every kind of marketing you can imagine. I bought a used U-Haul truck, had it vinyl lettered up, had people parking in different, you know, uh, parking lots. I had bandit signs. I had, I, um, I had, I, mean, I had branding on pharmacy bags. I had branding on stadium cushions. I had just crazy stuff, and I didn't track any of it. I'm just like, oh, there's all kinds of money coming in. We'll just throw this back into advertising, and I didn't know what was working, what wasn't. So when the market changed, I didn't know what to stop, so I had to stop it all. And then all, all money stops coming in. And so I would say not hiring a coach and, um, and not tracking my, my advertising are my two biggest business um, you know, failures or whatever you want to call it. Uh, on a personal side, you know, when, when I went through um, you know, my divorce and you know, my sons were eight and um, I think nine, right, right around that, nine, maybe nine, ten, eight, nine, something like that. I, um, 
you know, it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty heavy uh, time, you know, between me and, and my ex wife, and um, I I didn't I didn't make the kids up uh, as high a priority as I should have, and and it's something that um, you know now we have uh, a great relationship, but there was there was a period there where I did not have them as my highest priority, and I really should have. Um, and that's something that, um, you know, I regret mm-hmm. and, you know, now we fortunately have a, a great relationship, uh, with both of them and, um, you know, that, that's my biggest personal thing. And so, you know, the reason I share that uncomfortable message is just for those of you, you know, those listening that are chasing their career, just remember, you know, your kids, you only, you only got their childhood one time. And, and so they're, you know, there's, um, you know, year, maybe two years there where I was not around a whole lot. And that's something I would definitely redo. What's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for being so transparent. What's really wonderful about this, too, is that in terms of people um, developing an empowering story for themselves to remember, we always look at the glory and we often don't know the story. And, And now where we're seeing, you know, that. Ray does have a lot of glory that he brings to the world every day. And the story behind it is um, is incredibly inspiring uh, in, in the light of that. Was there a pivotal event, you would say? No, actually, I wanted to know, what was your darkest moment before I get to the pivotal event? Oof. Um, I mean, I've had a... About a few of those too. <laughs> um, uh, I would say, you know, when I realized that I was broke and, and I realized that every dime I had made my entire life was gone and I'm sitting in a house that's in foreclosure. I had, you know, gone through a divorce. I had gotten engaged, gotten disengaged. I, um, I felt, I just, I I felt like there may be, I may, I may never get it back, whatever that was. So I thought I had lost, like, I don't know if it, charisma, personality, uh, I don't know what it was, energy, mojo, whatever, chutzpah. I had lost whatever that was. And I was just so hating my life. And it just, uh, you know, it just sucked. It sucked because, I had, you know, always, you know, been trying to, uh, you know, do my best and play big and take risks. And, you know, I'd done all those things, but I didn't have the smarts to weather the storm. And so I just, I just felt like an idiot. You know, I'd spent all this time and money branding myself as the, you know, this, I wanted to position myself as this big time real estate guy. And, um, and here I was completely crushed. And so I definitely felt like a loser. Mm. That is, that would be painful for anybody. My God. Was there a pivotal event or person who triggered your decision to turn things around and to finally, I'm going to win. I'm getting it back. Yeah. For sure. Um, So July of 2009, and this is right, you know, when all of this stuff is going on. I got invited to go to a seminar, and I went to a seminar called, I'm, I'm positive you've probably heard of it, uh, went to a seminar called Landmark Forum. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and so I went to the Landmark Forum, and I, I didn't know what it was. I, it was a very weird uh, scenario that even got me there. Like someone that I didn't know that worked for them bought me a ticket and it was just very strange. And, and so, you know, I'm grateful, but it was just very different. And so I find myself and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go in this thing and I'm going to learn how to make money. Yes. Because up until that time, I hadn't been in a seminar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had ran seminars, but I'd never actually been a student in any of these workshops or seminars that I see, you know, people, you know, pay for all the time, right? Back then. Uh, I've since been a mini. Um, so I go to the seminar. I'm thinking, all right, now I'm going to learn how to make money. And, and so day two, 
the beginning of day two of that seminar, I realized that there I had some things in my life that were on a to-do list but with no priority. And repair relationship with my dad was one of them. I hadn't talked to my dad in 13 years. He had never met his grandsons. And, and so that second day, I called him and I said, hey, um, you know, I'd like to, I'd like for us to have a relationship. Um, I know I, you know, haven't reached out to you and, and, um, long story short, I end up, you know, me and the boys, he actually paid for us to go up to Indiana to see him. And again, they had never met him. They were, you know, right in, I, I don't remember exactly what age they were at that point, but a couple, a couple years later, so maybe 11, 12, maybe something like that. Uh, and so they, uh, we go up there and, you know, again, hadn't talked to him in 13 years, you know, created a relationship, which certainly isn't perfect, but at least it's a relationship. And I come, I come back home and that next week I get invited to a home meeting for a network marketing company that was getting started. And it was like, there was a heaviness gone. Like, and, and I really believe that when you clear up some of your past garbage, you create a scenario to to create, and and so I joined that company, and I just vowed I am going to crush this thing, and I became the number one income earner in that company, turned my life around, and you know now I love my life so much, and it's just so amazing what we get to do. Now, a little side note to this story: first time I ever shared it was I want to say the summer of 2010. I was building that organization, that network marketing company, and I had a rep in, um, not even my personal rep, but someone in the team that was in Myrtle Beach. And they called me and they said, hey, Ray, you know, we got a team going here. Would you come up and, you know, and train and do an opportunity meeting and all that stuff? And so I'm like, sure. So I go up there and do an opportunity meeting. And afterwards, I was going to do a training. And I had never shared that story before. And just something really tugged on my heart to, to tell it. And so I did. I shared that story, talked about my dad, talked about how releasing that past stuff, you know, opened up a new life. And afterwards, the person that called me to come up there came walking up to me with tears running down his face. And I'm like, wow, you know, that really touched you. You know, you, you okay? And he said, I can't believe you just shared that story. I haven't talked to my dad in 17 years. And tomorrow I fly out for his funeral. <laughs> And so like, you know, our first, I think most people's, at least mine, my first reaction was, wow, I was on a webinar with this guy one week ago. If I would have just been vulnerable and shared that story, maybe he would have made that last call. And then the kind of, you know, after the, you know, immediate reflex kicks in of, you know, what's wrong with me, um, I realized that I need to be willing to be more vulnerable, to be more transparent to share some of these things and since i've done that i now have probably a dozen letters from people that have you know written us or you know sent us a thank you card or whatever of how they repaired a relationship with you know their dad mom sister brother aunt uncle whatever and um you know i just see it as you know our our pain needs you know it's not something we just bottle up but you share those stories to you know to possibly make a positive impact that is wonderful thank you again and yeah. and again storytellers that's what keeps coming home to me is that success is less about the techniques and skills you need those mm. but it begins with the inner game if you don't get that right the techniques are not going to, and skills are not going to take you anywhere. You know? For sure. No, this, no doubt. This is quite wonderful. Uh, by the way, you can hear uh, my cat. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, see, you know why uh, I told her it was you and she's interested in network marketing and she wants to get into a company that sells products to dogs and I don't want her to. So she's, yeah. she's complaining right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Why is it important to make decisions before you're ready? Because I know this is a theme for you. Yeah. No, that's that's a big one. You know, first of all, we're never ready for big growth. 
never. And, you know, the example that, you know, some people at least could, could resonate with is, uh, you know, were you ready to become a parent? Nobody was. Nobody was like, yep, I'm good to go. And the baby comes and everything is just smooth. It's like, holy crap, this is what it's like. And, and you grow because you, you have to. And so the leaping before you know exactly step-by-step step what the future looks like is where the growth is. And, you know, Jack Canfield said, you know, your, your uh, growth is right outside of your comfort zone. And it's true. Every major time we've grown, it's been because we moved before we were ready. And so it's the people that wait for perfect timing or um, I'm going to wait until I study this one more course and then I'll do it. Well, there'll always be one more course and they don't end. I mean, we, we invest well over six figures a year every single year in coaching, masterminds, courses, all that different stuff. Uh, so there will always be more training. There will always be more education. But that shouldn't stop you from from jumping toward uh, growth. And so, you you know, growth is not comfy. And I think a lot of people, they look at, you know, well, I want to comfortably get there. And that just doesn't exist unless your goals are so small that it just doesn't really matter. Uh, and so if you've got big goals – you are going to have to get uncomfortable to get there. You're going to have to challenge your thinking. You're going to have to have others ridicule you. You're going to have to have coaches and mentors rebuke you. I mean, that's I'm always looking for people to say, okay, where do I got this wrong? Where is my thinking screwed up? What, what am I missing here? Where am I totally off base? And I look for not yes, you know, not yes people of, oh, yeah, Ray, you're a genius. I look for people that challenge me and say, well, why are you doing it that way? Well, what if you did it this way? Well, how come not this way? I, I want that challenge. And so if you, if you get that, right, and you, and you embrace the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable, you'll come to learn that before every major breakthrough is a breakdown. And you may have heard that before. Uh, a lot of people you know, use that, but it's true. It's absolutely true. I know before every major thing we've ever done that was that ended up being growth, it was very uncomfortable beforehand. Mm. That is powerful. That is just wonderful. Thank you. I mean, I've, we've often, I think most people today have heard, you got to go beyond your comfort zone, but you just took us into it to really, really dive deep and and articulate what that means. Thank you for that. So, you know, what's the difference between a mental decision and a decision that you make with your whole being? Well, I mean, I, th- I think I think the, you know, the mental kind of decision, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like I like uh, one of my favorite definitions of commitment, you know, commitment. And I heard um, uh, George Zalicki say this, who's a famous network marketing trainer. He said, uh, commitment is Doing the thing you said you would do long after the mood you set it in has passed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I don't know how many times I've said, you know what, I'm going to learn the guitar or I'm going to learn this or learn that. And if, if, it's, if I'm not all in, if, I, if my whole being isn't in it, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not. I can't force myself. And, and so I encourage people to embrace two words and that's until and despite and you know i've i've since you know I've, it's funny because i taught this for years and then someone said oh yeah jim Rohn talks about until and then i saw his video i'm like oh yeah that was fantastic uh, but until means i'm going to keep showing up until it happens there's no there's no uh expiration date and i think i think when you're making uh hey i want to i want to do this thing there's an expiration date. It's like, but if 21 days later, it's not something in my hands and forget it if I haven't progressed. And so until means you're going to show up until it happens. And it reminds me, you know, when I joined that network marketing company in 2009, I went to my uh, girlfriend at the time and who's now my beautiful wife, Jessica. And uh, I went to her and I said, hey, listen, uh, the next two years are going to be hell. I'm going to be working my face off. I feel like a loser. I'm tired of you paying my utility bills and I need to I need to make money and I need to feel better about myself and I need to do this and I I just want to be straight with you. I don't want you to resent me for 
for working so hard, I feel this is a period of my life. I have to put the hammer down. And I know you didn't sign up for that. I hope you stick around, but I, I have, I have to let you know. And I needed for me, I needed to produce. I needed to take action. I needed to get out of my funk. And I didn't want to resent her if, because if I, if I go at this goal in the manner that I knew I would, I, I didn't want it to be, well, you're always working or I, I didn't want any of that. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't, you know, we had a great relationship. I hoped and prayed that she would stick around, but I, I had to make that very clear. And a lot of people may have that kind of talk, but will they walk the walk? And so from that day forward, for the next six months, every single day without fail, I went for 20 no's a day. My head had not did not hit the pillow unless I had 20 people tell me no, either no, they didn't want to join or no, they wouldn't look at it or no, they wouldn't show up or it had to be a no. And number two, I did a video every single day. And so I've now, <laughs> this is crazy, and I'm just it just shows kind of how nuts I am, but I've done one to two videos every day for the last nine years. <laughs> it's not crazy. And, it, it, that, that's, that's a marvelous consistency. It's fabulous. Yeah. You know? And so like I embraced the word until. Now, I didn't know that five months in, I would have my, my first $10,000 month, seven months in, 40000 10 months in, 50000 I didn't know that I would be able to turn things around you know, faster than I expected. But you know, let's say I would have gotten to the end of two years and I was still sucking wind and not making any money, that would not have, that doesn't matter to the word until, you know, I know, uh, one of our, our friends, Amy out of Canada, you know, she was in network marketing for 17 years and in 17 years had made $3,000, which means you, you haven't actually made $3,000. You've lost probably 10,000, right? Because you're going to events, you're buying products, you're on auto ship. You've lost money in 17 years. She's now a million dollar earner. Do you think that that was worth 17 years of her life to now do whatever the heck she wants, to travel wherever the heck she wants, to do whatever she wants with her kids? Of course it was. But see, most people, they're going to give us 17 days, not 17 years. And, you know, and that and that's embracing the word until. Well, today I think it's they're going to give it 17 minutes. Right, right. Um, wow, wow, that's incredible. How many times did you want to give up? Oh, a million. I mean, so many times. <laughs> Uh, so many times I, I, you know, especially when you would hear about a friend that you thought was a friend who's, you know, bashing you behind your back. Um, you know, so many times when, you know, you had a relationship with someone and they started judging you, um, you know, here, uh, you know, uh, not, not in all countries, but here in the U.S., there are some people that have a negative connotation toward network marketing and, um and it's not, it's not actually, if, if you study it, it's not actually network marketing, it's network marketers. And so, you know, they've been approached poorly, they've been pitched, they've been lied to, hey, come over for dinner, and then all of a sudden the whiteboard comes out, right? And, and so, you know, it's, you know it, it, can, it can definitely be frustrating uh, for people to judge you, and, you know, it's, it's funny, uh, because I, I had several people that, you know, were very judgmental of me when I made the leap from real estate, uh, kind of involuntarily, I'll, I'll, I'll add, but uh, real estate to network marketing and people bash me and, you know, be negative to me that, uh, you know, have since asked if we're hiring. <laughs> and so I, mm. I saw that as a meme. I'm like, wow, I've actually experienced that. Um, and so, you know, it's something that, um, what I think people need to understand is that the road is not smooth to growth. It's not. And, you know, you think that, oh, if I only made 100000 a year or, you know, 10000 a month or million a year or whatever, you think the problems go away and they just become different. They're just different and you're equipped differently to handle them. You know, a couple of years ago, we had a very trusted employee steal $60,000 from us. Whoa. And, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, do you then turn around and say, okay, we can't trust anyone. Let's limit our business. Or do you just say, okay, that was a bad person. What did we learn? Um, how can we be better? How can we be smarter? And as weird as it sounds, we're grateful for that. Because one, she could have caused a lot more damage. Two, we now have systems in place where that can't happen. It just can't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you, you have different punches to the face. You have different challenges. 
And, and you know, you got to be, uh, you know, just like Jim Rohn said, you know, don't wish for things to be easier. Wish for you to be better. Wow. Another backpack moment. Thank you. <laughs> so, Ray, when did you first read Atlas Shrugged? Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, that was probably 2000. It was either end of 2009 or 2010. And which character did you identify with the most? Uh, Reardon, no doubt. I, 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 I really liked um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have that engineerish mind, although Reardon does have some of that. I don't have that engineerish mind of, uh, of a John Galt, but, uh, the Reardon definitely resonated with me, especially like how, how, um, people who didn't have his philosophy treated him. And I've, ex I've experienced that a lot. And, uh, and so, yeah, for sure. But you know, it, for me, it was it was really a mind blowing book because number one, it was written in the fifties, and you would think it was written today. Like if you if someone read that book and you hit all the years from it, you know, other than you know the train, right? You know, other than it being having trains in it, uh, if people read that and you said what year do you think that was written, I would guess a lot of people would say, oh, it must have been recent. Because a lot of a lot of things going on that that, that book uh, really nails, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, there was there was language in that book used that I'd never heard used before, but said how I thought better than how I thought, <laughs> and and so I'm I'm certainly a big big fan. You know, it's interesting when I read it um, when I was in university. I had the same feeling, and the character I identified with the most was Hank Reardon. And yeah. yeah, and it was for a lot of the same reasons that what I remember is that he was he was kind of a prisoner to guilt. His wife certainly made him feel guilty about his greatness and who he was. Right. And he that's what he had to deal with in order to to grow. And right. Wow. That's fabulous. Now, can you describe Ray Higdon before Atlas Shrugged and Ray Higdon after Atlas Shrugged? I mean, I, I you know, th there's one thing that stands out. Um, I mean, fundamentally, I, I guess there, I guess there's, there's two two things. One, I had, like I think many people, there were areas in my life where I had allowed I, I had allowed my thinking to be mainstream and I had allowed you know because you hear it over and over and over and over about you know rich people or you know this or that you know there's all, all these things that the media Hollywood is constantly shoving down our throats and there were definitely uh, definitely pieces that I had been intellectually lazy about in my thinking so two things that jump out one, I was, um, I, I didn't understand how I thought about charity. I did, I didn't understand because I, I saw that people of success, it seemed to me were guilted into giving to charity and being charitable and, and that, and that sort of thing. And, and that didn't resonate with me and I didn't really know my stance. And so you know, I, I think it wasn't just Atlas Shrugged, but some, you know, just other, you know, years of of kind of analyzing this and looking at looking inward and, and asking myself, how do I feel about this? What, what, why does this resonate with me? And so now I, I see it, and I actually did um, I, I did a video about you know, quote unquote, corporate fat cats, and and so my thinking of it now is um, you give to feel good, <laughs> and so. I give to feel good. I don't give out of guilt. And if a charity or a person or a program attempts to utilize guilt, then I don't give to them because that doesn't feel good. Mm. And so that was one area. The second area is I used to have a very mainstream, at least I, at least in, for my age and how I grew up with Napster and Casa and you know all the all these different you know programs of how to you know, not pay for CDs or, 
not even pay for movies and you know get you know get stuff for free i drastically this was the biggest change i drastically changed my um handling of intellectual property and so um after that i never watched a pirated movie i never tried to snag a you know try to you know find a pirated course or um you know download a you know a song that you're supposed to buy i just saw that stuff as hey that's that's digital stuff they should be given it away and and so i was not i was not treating the creator of 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 quality work and and the producer with the kind of respect that i would like to be treated with and so now if you know if a you know buddy says to me hey man i got i you know i got a pirated version of whatever i'm just like ah, no thanks you know i just don't want it um and i and i'm even a little weird about it so you know like one of my buddies um alex charfin he reached out to me he's like hey man uh you know i'd love for you to review my you know my latest course i'm totally game to you know give it to you and when, when you get into a position you know of, of influence authority etc you get that a lot you know a lot of people offer you stuff and and so you know i said alex to be honest um you know i really respect you i you know, I, I would like to go through your course. Let me buy it. And same thing with, um, you know, I got a friend, Mike Dillard, that, you know, he came out with a course. And, I, and you know, I texted him. I'm like, hey, man, I'm buying your course. He's like, dude, don't. I'll give it to you. I'm like, no way, man. You spent time on this. It's your intellectual property. And so I, I think that some people might view that part of what I just said and say, oh, well, that's nice because you got the money. Um, well, I think maybe... Um, maybe we make more money because we honor more. We honor the producer. We honor creators. We honor intellectual property. And I think if more people thought that way, maybe they too would make more money. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Um, it certainly takes um, it takes courage, and you and, and it's hard to, re- to to resist those offers. You know, it's easy to say, mm-hmm. well, you know, look. Uh, uh, the guys asked me to review this, so in exchange, I'm taking it for free. It's easy for the mind to to play that. So sure. I really, really respect what you're saying. Is there one thing at the core of your being that makes you jump out of bed on fire every day? Just one thing. Um, just, just the idea that there is someone out there that might hear my message and and change their life with it and and that's definitely what drives me and in the beginning that's not that wasn't my driver in the beginning my driver was to get out of debt and to you know to stop feeling like a loser and to feel like i'm you know of some kind of worth um but after you you know when you start doing well that's that's not really enough and it becomes not about the money. I mean, yes, we make, you know, we make good money and we know how to make good money, but it's only because we understand value. We understand how to put value in the marketplace and be rewarded by the marketplace. Um, but, you know, just the, the idea, and this is fueled by, you know, stories that we get. You know, um, when we got a couple weeks back, uh, Nicole Damare sent in a, a message to us and she's part of our we have a private group called rank makers for, you know, network marketers. And, um, she wrote in and she said, Ray, I just want to let you know that the last, you know, four years I have been very disappointed in myself. I've, you know, I've, you know, got to Christmas and I didn't hit my goals. I didn't hit my, you know, what I'd set out to accomplish. And, you know, yet again, I had a, you know, disappointing, disappointing, you know, Christmas for, for my family. But this year after being in, in rank makers for six months, um, I actually hit my goals, and for the first time in their life, my kids were able to pick whatever they wanted. Mm. And so that that is one of my like you know it's just like an ignition story you know it's just like that ignites my fire that that like you know you you can't judge what you do by how every individual reacts and responds to it, or else you will be depressed because you know majority of people read a book, don't do anything with it. You know, they, they go through a course, don't do anything with it. But it's when you hear those stories of what's possible and, 
you know, you realize that, hey, if I if I don't do my video today, this may be the only day that this person in Topeka, Kansas gets on and sees it. And so I just see it. I, I've, you know, I've created and, and you, you got to be careful with this. You got to be careful with how much responsibility you stack on your shoulders. But I see it as a duty. And I see anyone that has this kind of blood running through their veins, if they've gone through struggle, if they've been punched in the face, if they have examples of abuse, of, you know, child abuse, drug abuse, um, you know, losing it all, going through foreclosure, dead broke, all this stuff, uh, being stolen from, all these different things, right? If you have that kind of stuff, then I think it's selfish for you not to create success, because there are people out there, there are single moms, there are disabled veterans, there are people out there that you may be the only key to unlock them believing in themselves or them taking action and then believing in themselves. And and so I I see it as a duty. And, you know, so far in my head, I've convinced myself it's a healthy duty. And and uh, I love to show up and create possibility. That's fabulous. That really is. There were two names, uh, Nicole Domeray. How do you spell her name? D-O-M-U-R-E-T. Oh, U-R-E-T. Yeah. Is she French? I don't know. <laughs> I, she sent me videos. I've, I've never, I've never like talked to her one-on-one. <laughs> Nicole Domeray. Okay. And then you mentioned earlier uh, a wonderful quote by George Zawicki. Oh, uh, Zawicki. Z A. First of all, it's a regular George, G-E-O-R-G-E, right. and Zalicki, Z-A-L-U-C-K-I. Okay, because I want to put those in the notes. That's wonderful. Yeah, you you would love his uh, audio called Profile of a Champion. He probably created it in the 80s, I would guess, but it's fantastic. I'll look that up. I'm sure it's available. Now, are there still big fears that you do battle with? Um, I mean, certainly, you know, I, I'm someone that, you know, I have a three-year-old daughter now, right? So I got my, my two older boys, I got a three-year-old daughter and, you know, I, I have a tendency to be very focused because I see my work as impacting work and it is very easy for me to throw everything into it. And so I am consciously aware that there are times I need to step away and hang with the family, spend time with my daughter and, and all those different things. And that's, that, that's made me choose a little bit different lifestyle. Um, you know, we, we get asked to speak in Europe, Australia, Singapore, all, all these different places. And more times than not, I'm I'm actually turning them down because I I don't want I don't want, I could be on the road every single week and I could justify that and say hey I'm making an impact I'm making a difference I'm helping people out but in in that pursuit I I would also miss her childhood and you know just like I missed a couple years of my kids uh, my boys and so um, you know just making sure that I always keep my priorities correct. And, um, you know, if we, if we got time, I, I, I did get tested once. Um, if I get time for a quick story. Yeah, sure. Go please. Yeah. This is so good. the, um, so my, my, uh, my wife was pregnant and, um, you know, so we got, you know, Sabrina coming and her due date, I believe was October 1st. And I got asked to speak at my buddy Eric Worre's uh, event in Vegas where it was Tony Robbins, it was, uh, who else was out there? Bob Proctor, Kiyosaki, a whole bunch of guys. And I had never shared the stage with many of them. And so, you know, Eric invited me, hey, I'd love to have you come out and speak. And I'm like, well, when is that? And it was, I believe, October 11th. And I'm like, ah, baby do the first, 11th, bada bing, I'm there. And so October 1st comes around, October 2nd, October 3rd, October 4th, October 8th. And so here we are, October 8th, and we're a couple days away. I'm like, ah, oh, man. And so my wife, who's 
amazing. I mean, she is just incredible in every way. So, like, the things that she loves, you know, there's horses, there's coffee, and I'm up there, right? And and so, like, when she got pregnant, she gave up coffee, she gave up sushi. She has been just the perfect mom in every single way, giving up all the things, you know, that she loved and just being perfect. And the whole time, you know, we went to Lama's classes. We went, we got a... Um, Oh, what are they called? Uh, 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 oh, I forget the name. Medulla. I forget. Oh, what's that <laughs> name? It's, it's like a friend. Ah, whatever. Uh, but we got a, uh, you know, we got all these different classes, all CPR, all these different things. And we're doing all the right things. And she did not want to be induced, right? And so here we are on the 8th of October. And I, I text Eric. And I'm like, Eric, man. Uh, or, or first of all, let me back up. So she says, she goes, you know, it's a big opportunity to share the stage with Tony Robbins. And, you know, I, I could get induced. The doctors were wanting to induce her. But the whole time she didn't want to do that. No judgment against her, whoever has. But, you know, she just didn't want to. You know, she'd done everything right. She wanted to be natural. And, you know, that's that's what she was hoping for. And but she's like such, I mean, she's just a crazy team player. And she's like, you know what? It's a big deal for you to share a stage with Tony Robbins. You get to say that the rest of your life. And so, you know, what if I get induced? And, and so I thought about it for about one second and I'm like, no way. If, if you got induced and something happened, I, I couldn't live with myself. I mean, I, I couldn't handle that. And, and so I text Eric I say, Eric, man, I know you need a heads up, um, you know, ahead of time. I don't want to wait till the last minute, but I apologize. I'm not going to be able to come out. And and so um, we left. We were at this little cafe, and we go to sit in the car. Her water breaks. <laughs> and and so the baby's born on the 9th. I make it out there on the 11th or whenever it was, 11th or 12th, and, uh, you know, and, and do my thing. And so the, the lesson the two lessons that I see there are one, it was a good test because years beforehand I was said, yeah, it's probably best to get induced. I mean, the doctors want to do it. And you know, I, I would have totally made it not about me, although it would have been about me and, and career. Um, and so that was a test and I did put, you know, family first. So that's good. And number two, Sabrina was a team player too. <laughs> Who's our daughter. <laughs> That is a wonderful story. That yeah. is beautiful. Wow. Man, you're dropping too many nuggets here. Today. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a phenomenal. Well, you're, you're creating the space, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, so this may be a redundant question. What is your favorite book? Is it still Atlas Shrugged? I, I think so. I mean, it's the, it's the one that impacted. It's, it's the one that was it really helped me, you know, the most, I, I would say that one. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, I, I would have to say the first. Yeah. By the way, for people listening, you, you know, many of you may not know what that book is. It's by an author named Ian Rand. Um, some of some people call her Ann Rand, A-Y-N Rand. It's a long book. It's a worthwhile it's a big book. One. It's big. <laughs> and in, in a nutshell, because today is the, we are in the age of the artist entrepreneur. That book is really topical, important. And if you make the effort to read it, it could change your life forever for the better. So, um, hint. <laughs> what is your favorite quote my favorite quote yeah um you know i i mean i have many um but you know i one that i one that has served me over the years is and it came from uh, larry bird right also from Indy. but um you know larry bird in a uh championship you know just you know stood at the the free throw line and you know sunk sunk the shots to to win the championship and and the reporter came over to him afterwards and said uh how'd you do that you know you're in the opponent's you know a arena and and you're so calm and collected and you just you just sunk those shots and he said i don't feel pressure i only see opportunity 
And so when there's been times where I've maybe felt some nervousness or timidness or whatever, I just kind of say that to myself. I say, I don't feel pressure. I only see opportunity. And that's that served me. I love that because uh, I understand that in my head. And I can sometimes get to that place, but I'll sometimes succumb to the feeling because sure. it, re- it really is. You know, I've, I've heard people say pressure is an illusion. There is no such thing as pressure. It's your response to things. Right. And I know it. Uh, do I always do it? No. That's wonderful. I only see opportunity. Where do you see yourself in five years? I mean, if if you would have asked me, you know, five years ago where I'd see myself, I definitely wouldn't have guessed, you know, what we're doing. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, we um, we love what we're doing right now. I don't I don't want to um, underestimate how we'll mentally grow over the next few years, um, but I'm sure I'm sure that we will. And as long as we're, you know, continuing to make an impact and continuing to, you know, have a great family life as well as business life, then it'll be all good. That's a great answer. Now, if you could wave a magic wand, Ray, and just change one thing in the world, just one, what would it be? <laughs> Politics? Is that is that an answer? Um, <laughs> well, it's it's a, it's, it's a safe answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would I would I mean, I would just say all the all the the hatred uh, amongst differing views and you know and just just uh, you know that's just the the nastiness of that you know so many have for people of differing views and opinions and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. something around that you know I, I I hear you and I feel it I mean um, it is a very polarized time and that is an important one thank you how can people contact you? And of course, if you're a network marketer, you probably will want to. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, probably the easiest is, uh, I mean, you know, we have over, I think, 3,000 blog posts at rayhigdon.com uh, or Facebook may be easier for some, facebook.com forward slash rayhigdon page. Um, our our program, you know, like our, our group that we run is called Rank Makers, and that's rankmakers.com. But that's where I go live every single day. I give an action step and a training. And, uh, you know, the first, I think, seven months of last year, we helped 20, we had 2,800 rank advancements. And so it's very production-based. It's not, look at how great a trainer I am. It's let me help you make more sales and leads and rank advance in your company. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Any final thoughts for our storytellers today? No, it's been it's been great. You know, you created a great space for me to share all this. We got uh, you got a lot of stories out of me, man. <laughs> well, you've got great ones in you. Um, Appreciate it, man. Did you share a lot? I I cannot thank you enough, and thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time today with me and Ray Higdon. And what a special time it was. You know, people will, you can receive value from people in several different ways. One, obviously, is the actual content, the words that they're delivering. But on another level, there is an energy that gets transmitted, a powerful energy that can't be faked. And what I get from Ray, and I'm sure you have felt it as well, is Ray's integrity, his authenticity, and his vulnerability. Those qualities, when you receive them and you're open to them, they begin to make changes in your mind, in your psyche. They're basically like food for your inner world. They're nurturing you. And we got a lot of nutrition from Ray today. A lot of nurturing. And I want to emphasize that Ray Higdon is a big player. People pay him tens of thousands of dollars to receive the kinds of nuggets that he was offering to you today for free. 
please pay this forward. Let other people know that they can get this enrichment by listening to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. And do remember to get to that website and grab the ebook that I created for you as a gift, Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Ray spoke about Atlas Shrugged. And if you listen to the previous interview I did with Randy Gage, that was also a life-changing book for him. I'll say to you what I said uh, to the listeners of that show. Hopefully you were some of those listeners as well, that although you should definitely go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and download an audiobook of your choice, absolutely free, choosing from more than 180,000 titles, don't pick Atlas Shrugged. Why? That book is something that I believe you should have in your hands. Get the paperback. You can get it easily on Amazon because it's a book you want to highlight. You want to write notes in the margin. You want to savor it and receive it in that way. It is one powerful book. Definitely share with us what you're receiving from this show. Share it on on iTunes uh, as a comment um, with a rating and review, but also send me your comments to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. There were so many things that I could emphasize for you to think about and work on for next week, but I'm going to distill it into this one central message. There are no excuses. If you get only one thing, if you remember only one thing from listening to Ray's story, again and again, life delivered him blows that could have become excuses for not moving forward, for not growing, for becoming bitter, disappointed, for not achieving success, and for not making a major contribution to the world. But he didn't. All of those things became fuel for him to grow, show up bigger and bigger, and succeed. And you hear my cat? She's excited about this too. So look at yourself honestly this week and ask yourself, what excuses am I still making so that I don't have to do the work to move forward, make a full being decision to get rid of those excuses and to help you get started? Ask, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.